Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning, everyone. Wherever you are, wherever you're joining us from, and whether you're part of Riverside Church family or not, you are very welcome here this morning. My name is Keely, and together with my husband Simon, we lead the team here at Riverside Church in Whitstable. It's Resurrection Sunday, and it's a real joy to be able to come together, albeit virtually, to celebrate all that God has done for us, sending his son Jesus to die and to rise again so that we might have hope and new life. And it's hard at the moment, isn't it, when we look at the news and we look at our circumstances. It's, it's easy to have fear and anxiety. But this morning I would encourage you to lay those things aside and to focus on Jesus. Lift your eyes heavenward and think about all that God has done for each one of us. The service today will be a little bit different. We've got some interaction with the children and different things going on. And I will introduce those elements as they come up. Some of you will know that our son Jonah, who's a Navy nurse, was sent home last week with coronavirus and we've been looking after him. So we as a family are self-isolating. We're on about day 10 at the moment. Um, Thankfully, Jonah has come through that and he's doing really well. And at the moment, we don't have any um, symptoms. So thank you for your prayers. Please keep them up. Um, While he was recuperating, we asked him if he'd write a spoken word for today's service. So why don't we still our hearts and get ready for what's going to be a great time together. Haven't you heard the news? The meekest man who ever lived is now revealed in glory. He snatched the pen from the grip of death and changed the ending of the story. Written as a tragedy, transformed to speak his majesty to every Jew, Gentile, Pharisee and Sadducee and proclaim the name of God. You see, this man messed up our history. Haven't you heard the news? He blessed the poor, hungry and sad. He welcomed the bad and the mad, the wannabes and the weirdos, the dropouts and the freak shows, the lame and the covered in shame, the ones who lost the game, the emotionally rock bottom, the infamous and the forgotten. And he lifted them from the pit of other people's judgments. Haven't you heard the news? He made the temple redundant. He turned an abuse of power into a powerful abundance. The authorities thought they had God nailed down, but their fanaticism failed them, and their temples couldn't tame him. They tried their best to trip him up, but even Pilate couldn't blame him, convicted of being God in a way that no one expected. The lover of rejects was by hate rejected. Haven't you heard the news? A saviour is waging war on evil with no sword or shield, no trail of slain enemies, Just a resume of those healed. No priestly headquarters, but a call to be his hands and feet. We may be in fear, but we must not retreat. Because now the house of God isn't made of gold and stone. It's made of blood and flesh and bone. It's made for you and it's made of you. Haven't you heard the news? Good morning and happy Easter. It's great to be with you today virtually to celebrate the risen Jesus. So let's pray before we start. Father, thank you that we're able to celebrate Jesus's resurrection today. 
And Lord, I pray that you speak to us through your spirit this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at the outrageous claim that Jesus is risen and how this gives us hope and it changes everything. Just under a year ago, there was a massive football game. It was Liverpool against Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final. And this game um, had Liverpool, when they were playing amazing football, up against Barcelona, who were possibly thought of as the best ever footballing team. And it would be played over two games, two legs, one game in Barcelona and one game in Liverpool. And the Liverpool fans, as always, were very confident, probably being Liverpool fans, very arrogant. And they thought this was their chance to get to the Champions League final. But as they played their first game in Barcelona, after 22 minutes, Barcelona scored through old, an old Liverpool player, Luis Suarez. Barcelona were 1-0 up. And then the game continued and Barcelona went 2-0 up. And then they went 3-0 up and the full-time whistle blew. It had finished 3-0 to Barcelona. The Liverpool fans that were so confident, that had so much hope that they would reach the final of the Champions League, were suddenly hopeless. They thought they had no chance. No team had ever come back at this stage in the Champions League from a 3-0 defeat to go through to the next round. If Liverpool were to go through, they would have to win the second match by four goals or more. It seemed the impossible task. And to make it even harder, a couple days before the second game, Liverpool lost some of their best players through injury. Everything was against them. The confident, arrogant Liverpool fans were suddenly saying, there's no point in watching it. We have no chance. We are not going to win this game. But they still turned up to the second game. And as the second day game kicked off, they got an early goal and they went 1-0 up, but they were still 3-1 down over the two legs. And then something amazing happened. In the second half, they scored and made it 2-0. And the Liverpool fans suddenly had a glimmer of hope. And then 2-0 turned to 3-0. It was 3-0 on the day and 3-3 on aggregate over the two games. And then Liverpool scored to win the tie, to win the game 4-0 and win on aggregate 4-3 and to progress into the Champions League final. No one thought it could happen, but the tie was turned on its head. They won 4-3 on aggregate and went from hopelessness, the fans that were hopeless, to everything turning on its head when they would celebrate their win. The claim that Christians claim on Easter Sunday 
is an outrageous claim where everything is turned on its head. Everything is turned upside down. Let's put ourselves in the disciples' places, in Jesus' best friend's shoes. For the past three years, they have heard Jesus' teachings and they had seen him do amazing miracles. And whilst they didn't fully understand some of the things Jesus was, say, was saying, they knew that God was using him to do miracles that were motivated by love. And they were captivated by the way that he loved others. They were captivated by his teachings. His teachings that were so outrageous at the time. They were so outrageous in his day. Yet, over 2,000 years later, these teachings underpin even secular morality. They knew as Jesus was being taken to the cross, there was still hope. Maybe Jesus would do one of his miracles. Maybe Jesus would be on the cross and let himself down from the cross. Maybe he would, he would fly away. Maybe Jesus has something in store. Maybe, just like when he was arrested, he would make everyone else fall over and he would be able to get away this time. Even the criminal that was next to Jesus, that was on the cross, having the same punishment as Jesus next to him, even he turned to Jesus and scoffed at him and said, if you really are who you say you are, why don't you let yourself down? Why don't you save yourself? And why don't you save us? There was still hope. There was still hope that Jesus would let himself down from the cross, that Jesus would do something that would stop him dying, that Jesus had a plan. The disciples still would have had hope. Until Jesus breathed his final breath. A spear was put in his side and blood and water gushed out of his body to confirm that Jesus is dead. That was it. It was finished. The disciples had hope right up until this moment. The disciples had hope until he had breathed his final breath. He had died. It was game over. There was no second game. There was no second leg to make it right. There was no second chance. And when the disciples heard Jesus's words, it is finished. They probably took it very literally. Jesus's life was finished. It was over. He 
was dead. If you only watched the first game of the Barcelona-Liverpool game, if you only watched up until after the first match's full-time whistle when Barcelona had won 3-0 and I told you that actually Liverpool were the team that went through to the Champions League final, that Liverpool had won the second game 4-0 and progressed into the next round. You might have needed some convincing. I might have had to convince you, explain what happened, maybe shown you some celebrations. Um, maybe I would have needed to convince you, but eventually you would have hopefully believed what I had told you. And that's because Liverpool winning this second leg, it was very improbable, but it wasn't impossible. Easter Sunday is an outrageous claim. The claim that we make about Easter Sunday is an outrageous claim. People simply do not die and then three days later rise again. It's an outrageous claim. And let's read this claim and the disciples' reaction to the claim together now. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, I will read from there. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took their, the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he, while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Notice that when the disciples, when the 11 disciples that were left heard this news, heard that Jesus had risen from the dead. They didn't believe it. In fact, they said they thought it was nonsense. And to be honest, why would they believe it? In fact, why would they have understood when Jesus told them that he was going to rise again? Why would they have understood what he meant by that? Because people don't die and rise again. 
And you might be watching it this morning. You might be watching with us this morning. And think, well, this is a nice story. But let's be honest, it didn't really happen. And if that's the case, if that's how you're feeling this morning, then I get it. I understand why you would feel like that. Because do you know what? That is exactly how the disciples felt when they were first told that Jesus is risen. And if, if that is you this morning, firstly, I want to welcome you with us this morning and thank you for joining us this morning. It's such a privilege to have you with us uh, on this stream today. But I want to encourage you to look closely at the evidence. Put time into it. Investigate the eyewitness accounts. Investigate what those who have claimed to see Jesus after he had risen have said. Investigate the reliability of this. Scripture said that after Jesus had risen, he appeared to people on 11 different occasions, including on one occasion when he appeared to 500 people all at once. Look into this properly. Look into it properly. Investigate it. See what people have said about it. Because what we believe and how we respond to this resurrection claim, what we believe about it and how we respond to it is the single most important thing that we have to decide in this lifetime. What we believe about the resurrection defines our life now and it defines our life after death. If Jesus rose from the dead, then the hopeless have hope. If in the resurrection of Jesus, God can conquer death, then there is nothing that he cannot do. If he can breathe hope into a past where all hope had gone, where the disciples saw the blood and the water gushing out of Jesus when he was dead, if he can breathe hope into that place, hope into that moment, then there is no situation beyond which God cannot rescue. There is no illness beyond God's reach. There's no illness that he cannot beat. There is no tear that he cannot wipe. And there is no fear of mine or of yours that God does not have the answer in his comfort. And if there is ever a time, if there is ever a time where the brokenness and the suffering of the world was screaming out to us, it is now. People are scared. We're grieving. We don't know how long we're going to be trapped to our homes. We don't know how long it will be until life will be normal again. And we need hope. And not only is the world broken, but so are we. We fall short of who God has created us to be. We often reject God in order to live for ourselves. 
and we have to pick up the pieces constantly when we're getting it wrong, when we're making mistakes. But in this world that is broken, and in this world full of broken people, there is hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our um, selfishness, all of our greed, all of our lies, all of our hate and everything that falls short of God's standards. He took it on himself. He said, he says to us, let me have your rubbish. Let me have your mistakes. Let me have your lies. Let me have your hate. Don't let that belong to you. Give it to me. And he says, let me take your punishment. Romans 4 verse 25 says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. In Jesus's resurrection, we are made right with God. We are forgiven in order that we can live with him forever. Our hope is that because Jesus defeated death and because through that he made us right with God, we don't need to fear anything. We don't need to fear death. But instead, we can look forward to a time where there will be no death, where there'll be no crying, where there'll be no illness, where there'll be no hate. Because with Jesus, these things were nailed to the cross. And clearly, right now, this world that I'm talking about, a life with no death, with no hate, with no brokenness, with no suffering, Clearly, this isn't the world that we're living in right now. Jesus has won the battle on the cross, but we still live in the aftermath of the battle that went on. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come back, that Jesus will come back and put an end to all suffering. But clearly right now, the world that we live in is still broken. And it's times like this, with everything going on at the moment, when death is, is happening and we're being given all these numbers for how many people are dying each day, it's times like this, when death is around us, that we reflect on our lives. When we're surrounded by death, we often reflect on our lives. What am I living for? Am I making the most of my life? What is your hope in this morning? Maybe your hope is to be rich and to have a lovely big beach house. Or maybe your hope is to have the perfect family or the perfect career to make your way up to the perfect career. And these things aren't bad things but they're temporary they can be gone in an instant 
COVID-19 has shown us this. It doesn't have favourites. It doesn't discriminate. You can work your whole life to a point where you're prime minister and then suddenly you're dependent on intensive care to stay alive. Everything your hope is in on this earth can be gone in a second. So how can we have hope when this is our reality? This week I attended the online funeral of a close family friend, Kerry, who at the age of 25, after a couple of years of battling cancer, passed away a couple of weeks ago. Kerry was put through rounds and rounds of chemo. She had to go to America for radiotherapy treatment and even had the agonising moment of being told that she had beaten cancer. And then a week later, been told that the cancer had spread to her lungs and that it was terminal. At such a young age, she went through intense suffering. Yet, she amazed everyone by her positivity, by her joy and by her energy. She had hope for what was to come. And she told people that what she was going through was just a blip on the road to eternity. During this period of suffering, Kerry had a signature phrase which she used to sign off all her social media posts. This signature phrase was choose joy. When she was asked what she means by this in an article, Kerry said this. Joy is certainty of the future and contentment in my ultimate decision. It's the understanding that above all else, God is consistently faithful and abundantly loving. It's the fundamental knowledge that through Jesus, uh, it's the fundamental knowledge that Jesus has gone before me and defeated death through his resurrection. He knows my darkest fears and gives me the hope of eternal life in his new kingdom. I'm certain I'll meet Jesus face to face in heaven, not in a place made from wispy clouds, but a real physical place, as real as planet earth, where God resides and where we will eternally live in peace. Because it was never meant to be about this life. We're all simply passing through and my circumstances are just a blip on the road to eternity. Our lives are but a vapour, a thin mist that appears momentarily and then vanishes away. So choose joy. It is a freedom that will transform your life. Kerry, who suffered so much, was able to choose joy because she had already chosen Christ. 
As Carrie died, her dad played one of her favourite songs by Phil Wickham, You're Beautiful, which talks about how the resurrection gives us hope for eternity. And one of the lines says this, When we arrive at eternity shore, where death is just a memory and tears are no more. Kerry chose joy because the resurrection of Jesus gave her that hope. What do you choose this morning? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus's life, death and resurrection. Thank you that because of Jesus's resurrection, we can be made right with you. Lord, that if we choose to follow you, that we can have eternity with you. A place where there'll be no more death, no more fear, no more tears. And Lord, in this place now, when we don't live in a world like that, when we're suffering, Lord, I pray that you give hope to people, the hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. Not on anything here on earth, but the hope in you. Lord, I pray that you meet with us in our homes now. You meet with us as we choose to worship you together. Worship you because of what you did on the cross. We thank you, God. Amen. If you have heard this message and feel like today, a better day than ever, the, the day when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, if you feel like you want to follow God, that you want your hope to be in him, then I want to, I want to invite you to, to speak to God, to say to him that I want to follow you. And to make that decision that your life will be following the hope that is in Jesus Christ's resurrection. As we end this service, Mark and Rachel are going to lead us in a final song, King of Kings. Three.
Thank you everyone today for being involved in this uh, online service. Thanks for everyone who made it such a great service, all the different people who contributed. And thank you guys for, for watching us. Uh, we really appreciate connecting in this way. And we hope, um, yeah, we hope it's really connecting our hearts, even though we can't physically be together. I'm just gonna close today in prayer. All through today, we've celebrated Jesus and the, uh, the resurrection life that he promises to bring us. So I'm just gonna focus my prayers into that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us by your Spirit and you promise never to leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would um, bless us today and in the coming days ahead. And God, we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit in our lives, more of your grace and your presence to enable us to face all the challenges that life is currently bringing us. And God, keep our hearts warm and connected to you and to each other. And we pray for our government, we pray for our authorities, we pray for all those working on the front line fighting coronavirus we just pray god you bless them and keep them safe and empower them father uh, to bring about a quick resolution lord to this crisis and we ask this in jesus name amen god bless you guys see you soon thank you for listening 
If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>